Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 225 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Monday, December 28th, 2021. It's been a while. Have you missed me? Unfortunately, we are back under somewhat depressing circumstances. As you heard, we got the sad music, the sad and melancholy music, and that's because the New England Patriots, despite entering week 16 with a chance to sort of solidify their own destiny in the AFC East, now find themselves... Looking at the Buffalo Bills, who now they have the opportunity to control their destiny in the AFC East because the Buffalo Bills come into Foxborough, win 33-21. Really a lot to get to. I'm going to talk about Jones because we do that each time after each game. I'm going to talk sort of bigger picture stuff. And I'm going to talk a lot about Josh Allen. And I know that's probably not going to be a fun subject, but... That's, I think, where we have to begin. Before we do anything, though, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work, a variety of places. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, the Matt Waldman RSP Quick Game Podcast, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit, blogging the boys, a whole bunch of places to find me. Let's dive in and we start with Josh Allen. Because I, I know that in the wake of this game, and in the wake of Mac Jones' performance, which we'll get to in a minute, there's going to be a lot of discussion about Mac Jones, the quarterback, the offense, and things like that. And I get it. That's part of the reason I have a job. But I do think that the bigger takeaway in this game was what Josh Allen and this Bills offense did to the New England Patriots. Because they had some COVID issues that they were dealing with. You had Isaiah McKenzie getting a lot of run yesterday. And Josh Allen came out and had arguably his best day as an NFL quarterback, or at least one of his best days this season. 30 of 47 for 314, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But beyond what he did as a passer, you also have to look at what he did as a runner. 12 carries for 64 yards, averaging 5.3 a pop. He had the 18th most rushing yards out of any player this weekend as a quarterback. The only quarterback we talked to was Kyler Murray, who had 74. Now, that was on four carries, one which went for 57 yards. But this game was largely a game that Josh Allen took over. And Josh Allen made a number of incredible throws in this game. He was one of the three throws that I did. And whether it was the touchdown to the Stephon Diggs, you know, the crosser to McKenzie, another crosser, you could find a number of highlight reel throws from Josh Allen on this afternoon. 
And now, of course, that has led to a number of questions about, well, why didn't the Patriots adjust? And there's certainly room for that discussion because they were getting carved up, running man coverage, most of it cover one, and you've got Isaiah McKenzie working against Miles Bryant with no real inside help. And part of that is, as Matt Chatham pointed out, there are a lot of play designs where Brian Dable had reasons or other routes in the concept that pulled defenders away. So any underneath hole help wasn't there or any potential deeper help had to be occupied by another concept, by another route, by another pattern. And so, yeah, could they have done more zone coverage or done some different things schematically to help take away some of those crossers? Yeah. But also, you're expecting to have some help. When you're that slot corner, when you're Miles Bryant and you're playing sort of outside leverage and you get this crosser out working away from you, you're hoping you're going to get some sort of inside help. You're hoping you're going to have an underneath player, an underneath linebacker, or even a safety or sort of over the top that's going to be in position to help you out. But that help wasn't there. It was occupied for other reasons. Allen also did a very good job extending plays. You look at an early fourth down conversion of this game. The one I'm looking at is, you know, the it's a fourth and two in the first half, 2.15 left. So it's not that early. But it's a 10-7 game as the Patriots. You'd love to get a stop here. They rush four, drop into man coverage with a single safety deep. The four don't get home. The initial coverage is good because Allen's reading this. He's open into his right. He's got a smash concept. You've got Sanders on the the short route from the outside, and then you've got McKenzie running the corner route from the slot. The initial coverage there from Bryant and from Jalen Mills is great. Now he has to get backside on this. And they've got a smash under concept where you've got the tight end Dawson Knox on the corner route. He's in the slot. And then you've got Diggs working against J.C. Jackson on the under concept. It's like a smash slant, basically. And he he gets to his fourth read on it because he's working the smash one, two to the right. That's coverage is good, comes off of it. Then he works inside out, looking at the corner. And you've got good coverage on that. Kyle Duggar is underneath that, taking it away. He gets to his third read. I mean, his fourth read, really. And when you don't have pressure, and then you're giving up, again, inside leverage, you're giving that up, you're playing this with outside leverage, you've got two underneath hole defenders in the form of Bentley and Collins. Allen does a good job with his eyes. You know, Collins is kind of in a position to get underneath it, but Allen has taken his eyes to the outside, so Collins kind of steps outside of it, creates the thrown lane, and you get the completion. You know, get into his fourth read. And so that was a big play. And how did they finish that drive? They finished that drive with a touchdown on third and 11. They go empty. Patriots, they don't have a deep safety. They bring Devin McCourty in over Dawson Knox, who's the three to the right side. Knox stays into block. McCourty drops, but he has his back to Stephon Diggs, who's in the slot on the other side. Diggs gets an inside release. 
runs up the seam, and Allen throws a rocket. That offense played a great game, but that defense gave up a number of big plays. They had opportunities to get off the field. They had opportunities to get stops, and they didn't do it. And yes, there were, you know, crossing routes and things like that. There are also some plays where other quarterbacks probably don't get away with it. Josh Allen does. Third and 10. 11.07 mark of the third quarter. You know, it's a 17-7 game. They run mesh. Allen gets flushed. You actually get some pressure on him here because the Patriots bring a blitz. He rolls to his right and attempts a ridiculous crossbody throw that somehow finds space because the Patriots this time are in zone coverage. Buffalo had an answer for basically everything the Patriots did. And, you know, a lot of people, Mac Jones and others, said after the game that they were the better team. They were certainly the better team on Sunday. And it's frustrating because to take a sort of step back and look big picture, they roll into the bye week as one of the hottest teams in football. As one of the hottest teams in football. And what happens since the bye? Two straight losses. One to the Colts. One now to the Bills. And instead of sort of holding their own destiny, now they're in trouble. And in the third segment of the show, we're going three segments today, you know, there's still an opportunity to win the division. There's still an opportunity to get to where they want to be. But this isn't helping. These two weeks... As people like to say, not great. Not great. But I think the bigger story, there are many stories, but the bigger story from where I sit watching this game and then rewatching it, Josh Allen had a great day. The Patriots didn't have an answer for it. And if these teams end up meeting again, which they might, they'll need one. Up next, we're going to talk Mac Jones. That's ahead here in episode 225 of the SCO Show. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 225 of The Scoach Show. And we're going to talk Mac Jones. Because this wasn't a good game. Now, the numbers, they kind of speak for themselves. 14 of 32 for 145, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Now, the second interception, it's a late game desperation throw, so I'm not going to get too worked up over that one. The first interception was very similar 
in a sense, to the Darius Leonard interception from last week, trying to sort of layer a throw in underneath. But I think more concerning to me right now, issues that we saw earlier in the season sort of cropping up, right? Now, I did my Mac Attack video that's up at Pat's Pulpit in YouTube right now. But I do want to talk about a couple of plays here. Second and eight, 230 mark of the first quarter. It goes for a completion of nine yards and a first down to Jakob Johnson. At first blush, you might think that's great. But there's an opportunity to hit Jacoby Myers on a deeper outbreak in route. He comes in motion from the left side, get into a stack slot, works to the middle of the field, and then breaks it to the out. The route is open. The route is open for a big gain, but he doesn't throw it. He throws the little check down. And yes, it goes for a gain of nine and a first down, but process versus results, right? Why did he not look at that? Why did he not throw that route? There was another completion to Nikhil Harry. I mean, excuse me, to Jacoby Myers on a little sale concept, working to the right side of the field, goes for a gain of 13 on first and 20. Again, you hear gain of 13 on first and 20. All right, you're in a bad down and distance situation. Now you get it from first and 20 to second and seven. It's not ideal, but we'll take it. The problem is you've got them in cover four. Quarters coverage. I know there, there was a discussion earlier today on Sabanese language and cover four versus cover seven versus cover eight and all that stuff. But we're talking here about quarters, four deep. You've got a vertical route on the outside from Kendrick Bourne. You've got this little like pivot out route from Jacoby Myers. So you've got the deep route, which is Bourne, the shallow read, which is Myers. And then your middle read is that sail route, that deeper out route from Hunter Henry. Now, why this is a good concept against cover four is this. Again, quarters coverage. Corner's going to have to buy the vertical route, okay? Curl flat defender, he's going to get occupied by Myers. Now, that ends up being open, and he hits it for a gain of 13. But that outbreaking route from Hunter Henry, the safety to that side is going to have to play that from depth. Poyer's going to have to play that from depth, and it's a route breaking away from his leverage. That's why routes such as like go flat, post, out, pout, where you've got the outside receiver going vertical on the inside, then break into the out. Those are great against quarters because generally speaking, and I know there are checks and tags and adjustments and all these things for defense to deal with it, but just generally speaking, I say that so my coaching friends don't get mad at me, that out route from two is going to be a good read because corner has to buy the vertical from one, which means safety. Once that number two guy, or in this case, a number three guy gets past 10 yards, you're going to buy that route. So that route from Henry is open, but Mac Jones doesn't throw it. He instead takes it to Myers. And again, you get a gain of 13. It sounds great, but it's not because there was another play to be made. And then interestingly enough, he, on a sort of fake toss Yankee concept later in the game, tries to hit Harry on a deep shot and instead... Myers on the over route is wide open. But instead he tries to sort of force the deep shot. So it's like, you know, this play comes, 
It's a first and 10, 622 of the third quarter. You fake the toss, you're rolling him to the right on the over route coming from the left side is Myers, and he's open, but Mac Jones locks on it the entire way, the deeper route to Nikhil Harry and forces it into coverage. Now it goes incomplete, but you wonder, is he now starting to force things in the second half because he wasn't taking shots and opportunities downfield in the first half? And then you get the disastrous two-play sequence where he throws a great ball, timing, rhythm, anticipation, placement to Nikhil Harry on a stop route on the left side. He drops it. Next play, you get the interception. Now on the interception, it's a bang-bang play. Linebacker does a good job of diving down and get it back. He's again got to sort of learn to sort of layer that throw in there, get it out a little bit quicker. There's also an awkward weight transfer in the lower body, which, you know, is something to note. There is also an incompletion on a outbreaking route to the left to Hunter Henry where he locks up the front leg. This play comes as a second and 10 at the 140 mark of the second quarter. He slides a little bit left. It's almost the same concept as the earlier missed, the earlier throw that he should have made to Hunter Henry, but instead threw to Myers because you've got Bourne on a vert, two Myers is on a little curl route, and then Henry runs the outbreak and sail. Myers has to slide a little bit because of pressure, but when he makes this throw, he locks up that front leg. He locks up the front leg and the pass sails high. And I've talked about this before, right? Steve Axman, longtime um, quarterback coach, guru, offensive play designer. In his book, Quarterback Passive Mechanics, he talks about when that quarterback, and you usually see it with taller quarterbacks, but when a quarterback locks up that front leg, it messes with the release point. It gets you that break in the chain between the upper body and the lower body. It passes end up sailing high. And that's exactly what happened here. So some lower body mechanical issues popped up from Mac Jones on Sunday. So it was a, a disappointing performance overall. There were still some flashes. There were still some flashes. You know, the fourth down sprint concept where he directed traffic and got Jacoby Myers to sort of settle down in the middle of the field. That was a great throw. He had two great throws late in the game. Actually, three great throws late. There was a, a timing and rhythm stop route on the right side to Kendrick Bourne. This was on a fourth and seven. Excuse me. Different play. We'll get to that play in a second. But he hit Kendrick Bourne on a second and ten at the 10-15 mark of the fourth quarter, where Bourne looks like he's running an out and out. So he goes out, then up, then stop on the five comeback. And Mac Jones flashes ball, gets the corner to sort of think about the out route. Then when he breaks vertically, he brings his eyes to the middle of the field for a second and then flashes them back to the right and still makes a time in rhythm anticipation throw. That's heady stuff. That's heady stuff. He had a, a throw a couple of plays later to Jacoby Myers on another route where he starts to the middle of the field and then breaks back to the outside. Sort of a deep pivot whip route. Great blitz pickup on that play from Damian Harris. And he makes a great throw with pressure in his face. Has to layer it in there. And then the fourth and seven conversion, which I was going to mention, that's a little later in the game, like a minute 50 left or so. It's very similar to the Dak to CeeDee Lamb conversion late in that game where you've got you know, a run-through route from three, sort of a vert from two, and then that deep dig from one, which is born, 
Mac Jones has to slide a little bit in the pocket to hit that route, and he does. Great vision to see it. Great job by Bourne to work open. So those are some good throws, but they came far too late in the game. And so that leads us into the final topic of today. Big picture stuff, where do we go from here? That's ahead here on episode 225 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 225 of The Sco Show and wanted to take a couple minutes and just go big picture. Where do we go from here? Uh, because as I mentioned at the outset, look, Bills are in the driver's seat now. And they have a pretty favorable schedule gone down the stretch. Now, New England has a favorable game this week. You get Trevor Lawrence, and we'll dive into that game for Wednesday's show. But you get Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville this week while, you know, Buffalo, they get Atlanta. And so, you know, obviously, look, we, we've seen some crazy stuff this year. And so is there a chance that on Sunday, Atlanta goes into Buffalo and wins? There's a chance. You know, but New England has an opportunity to sort of close this out at home with a win over a team that is struggling over a rookie quarterback. We know Belichick's history against rookie quarterbacks. And so this is a very winnable game. You know, the problem is week 18. Because the Bills get the Jets and the Patriots go down to Miami. And everybody listening to this show right now knows the long storied history of the New England Patriots playing games late in the season down at Miami. I mean, obviously, the Gronk play a couple of years ago comes to mind, but Miami late in the season has been at times a house of horrors for the New England Patriots. And so that's something we'll have to fig- see how it unfolds. You know, we got a game before that, can't look ahead, but we're going to have to see how that unfolds. Now, the bigger picture, picture issue for me over the past two weeks is this. Going into and coming out of the bye week, the story of the New England Patriots was this is a physical team. I talked about it a lot. The Atlanta game, some other games, you want to see who's the better team, see who's moving the line of scrimmage in their favor. They had been the more physical team until these past two weeks. And certainly Indianapolis and Buffalo did some of this as well. They were winning some of those battles up front. You know, this past week, it was more about what the Bills' offense was doing and, and Josh Allen, but certainly looking at that Colts' defense and how aggressive they were coming downhill, and then their offense as well, moving the line of scrimmage at times and the way they closed that out with Taylor's touchdown run. It's that Tyson line. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. The past two weeks, the Patriots have gotten punched in the mouth. Now it's time to punch back. And with respect to the Bills in particular, Odds are we're going to see a rematch between these two teams in the playoffs. As it stands right now, it is the most probable of all the potential first-round matchups in the AFC. I think it's like a 15, 53% chance that these teams meet with you know, Buffalo as the three and New England as the six. And so you'll have to come up with, if you're Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, an answer for Josh Allen. Does it, is it more zone coverage? I tend to think so. Again, I, I've had some people ask me about this. I was on a number of shows in Buffalo last week, keeping eyes on Josh Allen and then also having zone underneath defenders in position for these crossers. It might be something to think about going forward. 
couple weeks ago when the Patriots won that Monday nighter, there were proclamations that it meant the Patriots were fully back and that the Bills, you know, their, t- their Super Bowl window had closed, for example. But I think what we saw on a game that didn't feature 55-mile-an-hour wins and, and such, Bills were the better team. Now, it doesn't mean the season is over. It doesn't mean that the sky has fallen. It doesn't mean that it's time to full-on panic about Mac Jones or the defense or anything else. It means you got to come up with some adjustments. you got to come up with some answers now for Week 17, for Week 18, and certainly for a potential third go-round with the Buffalo Bills. And so that's my post-game brain dump. I will be back for Wednesday's show to talk about Trevor Lawrence, what we've seen from him this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and so on. Until then, friends. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday weekend. Stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sail on. Bless those Patriots' reigns. Down in Falkland.